Whizball. The 16 bits really beat the 8? Find out on Amigos, episode 353. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about Whizball. Oh, Aaron, would you call yourself a baller? I would. And a wizard. Mm-hmm. I'd call myself both. Yeah. So you're a wizard on the court, is what you're saying. Well, on certain courts. Mm-hmm. Like the tennis court, for example. Night court? Night, no, not so much. But on the, like the tennis court, I'm trying to put other courts. I mean, I am pretty good in court. Right. When I think about it. Yeah. I'm undefeated in court. Yeah. You've me. Never, you've never been taken down. You're like Matlock. Picture me. I'm in the... Uh, the uh, Area beside the judge there. The jury they box. Bring, no, not the jury box, dude. Oh. That's for suckers. I'm in the. I'm the guy that's actually giving testimony. They. I'm in fully in a full suit. Right. Right. I don't strut in. I don't walk in. I sashay in. Mm. They give me the gimmick with the Bible. I read thought, the lights. I thought they might rise you up through the floor. Right? That would be cool. Yeah. With, <laughs> with the fire. I roll into the to the to the batter's box there. Do they make do they swear you in every single time? Every time. Yeah, you wow. gotta be swore at. Then you get in there and then here comes the, the attorney for the state for or for, for the county. He's like, Listen, was this guy a drunken bum? I'm like, the machine says he was, or the instrument. Then here comes the defense attorney. He's gonna try to give me the bitness, mm. right? What's he, his what's his go to line? Uh, well, it's like according to this document here, the instrument uh, it, you have written down here that this thing had an RFI or whatever, which they don't know what anything about it. And so I just go, yeah, those are doing my tests. If you look through the book, they're all there. I cut this guy down. Yeah, you do. He thinks he's going to cut a promo on me, but I bury the sucker. Perry Mason, right and there. And then the jury's just shaking their heads. <laughs> they look over to poor degenerate boozer. He's done, son. That's it. And then that's when I strut out mm-hmm. of the box. It's a done deal. That's when they. That's when he hit. Say, hit my music. That's right. <laughs> that would be great. And the judge is up there tapping along with <laughs> yeah. his gavel. That's how I do it, man. I like going to court sometimes. Just the, I like the humblest sucker, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. You know, I've never appeared in court before, <laughs> but I did. I thought I was going to have to when I hit this pothole. Yeah. You oh, know? because you're trying to get some compensation. Right, trying to get compensation. Yeah. So they're like, you need to appear at the old, at the at the at the defendant, and they made it sound like court. Yeah. When I walked into the building at the Capitol complex, yeah, it was a lady sitting at a desk. I was dressed in my suit. I was like, all right, where do I go? She's like, the state has sided with you. Here's your money. Whoa. And that was it. So Nice, dude. Yeah. Nice. I think they were just intimidated by my look. You do look sharp in a full suit. Mm-hmm. I've seen that many times. Were you wearing a sweater vest or the full jacket? I was wearing a cardigan. Oh, man. <laughs> Bad choice, boat. You got to go full suit when you go to court, dude. That's true. You've never been on jury duty or anything? I've been on jury duty, but I've never been called. Really? Yeah. Knock on wood, Yeah, dude. I went eight weeks last year. Not called one time. Uh, you got lucky, man. Yeah. You know, it's but court's a funny thing. I've been to many courts. I've sat there many times. And it's it's almost, I'm not going to say it's like wrestling, like the fix is an end, mm-hmm. but there, it's a very uh, procedural gimmick. Yeah. Scripted. Like, they, the, everything's mostly decided before you get there, mm-hmm. you know, except for the judge. And the judge sort of knows where he's going to go. Right. It's usually a bang-bang operation. They get you out of there. But every once in a while, you get some kind of, smarty pants defense lawyer 
that's going to come in there and try to throw his weight around. It never ends well. For never that works. Guy. But never those guys works. are making the bucks, man. Are you seeing the same judge every time you go in? No. Mm. A couple times I have, but, but not. not. They, in one county, they know me. Right. Because I was there so much. But I haven't been to. Listen, once you establish yourself, like, you don't get called in that much anymore. Like, I don't get called that much. Because people they, just trust your work. They know that, like, this guy's not going to crack under pressure. Right. Sometimes they're going to test you. Mm-hmm. You know, can we push this guy? No, they can't. And so I get away with, I, you know, okay, I got the truth on my side. And the funny thing is, when you go into court for me, like, I'm never for or against anyone. All I can do is just testify whether the stuff's working or not. Right. So, and and it of course is. it's working. Yeah. That's right. Aaron, I'll tell you one thing the jury's in on. Yeah. This week's got an awesome selection of Amiga News. What a, what a transition. <laughs> Aaron, our first story this week is bound to be one that makes you happy. This is a port, an arcade quality port of 1942. Oh, yes. Now, I know you're not the world's biggest 1942 fan. Oh, no. But it is one of those classic games, and it never hurts to have a stable of arcade quality perfect uh, ports to the Amiga. This is, uh, this is done by uh, a little guy we like to call... Actually, I don't know. Is he a little guy? Or did you say that? His name is Tony Axness. Axness. <laughs> Mary Axness. That's right. So he's doing this at Aaron. I gotta say, this thing looks great. It's at the proper aspect ratio. Looks like a Burt. I'm pretty sure that the Amiga had a port of 1942 that was, eh. You know, what 1942, one of the most ported games of all the time. Yeah. It's on, like, DOS booters. Mm-hmm. It's on everything. And, and But uh, they often drop the ball. Right. Right. So and, we I, anytime there's a quality port, hey, I'm on board, brother. I yeah. like it, man. So it uh, looks like uh, this project, actually, I'm just looking at this. I think this might have even been updated since I put this on the Amiga News, but apparently the project is now on hold. Oh, so, Sorry no. to get your hopes up, everybody. Did, it's never coming out. What happened? <laughs> no. Sorry. Listen, listen, uh, my friend. Uh, we hope that you bring this thing back, brother, because this would be a good addition to the lineup. Like you said, you can't have too many. And when they put the proper aspect ratio in there and stuff, I like it. I'm down. I'm yeah. down with that boat. Now, Aaron, our next story is in, about another game. This game is called Farmiga. Farmiga. Oh, man. What okay. is this all about? This is a work-in-progress farming simulator. All right. Okay. This is by Tukenim. Tukenim. Did you ever play Farmville? For about one second. Mm. And that was the biggest mistake I ever made. Because, you know, back when Facebook was going... Hard and fast in the Farmville. You remember mm-hmm, that? I do. And I played it one time, and I thought to myself, man, oh, this is abrasively idiotic. I'm not <laughs> playing this no more. But a lot of my friends played it. And so, first off, you start getting those messages. It's like, <laughs> Billy needs you to come to his farm. And I, I was like, okay, let me see if I can ban those. <laughs> and then I got the messages about my farm, because I hadn't been there for like a year. Mm-hmm. And the one I remember the most was like, Aaron's being ravaged by like raccoons. I think I got a screenshot of that. I was like, "That's pretty good, John." That was the end of last. That's the last time I saw that. Well, so, I don't think this is as brazenly horrible as Farmville is. This looks like maybe somewhere in your Harvest Moon type area, uh, where you are. You're, you know, you're basically you're, you're you're you've got a plot of land. You got to plant some seeds. You got to water your plants, and you got to pet the cow. Are you seeing this? Uh, if you if you're watching at home in the upper left part of the screen there's a 
There's a small home, a small outhouse, it mm -hmm. looks like. A little well, hard Yeah, there's a home But next inside to it. the outhouse, it looks like they've got a still or something in there. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's not... That's not accurate, okay? <laughs> the last thing you want to do is put a... First of all, there's no room in an outhouse for a still. That's true. But it, let's pretend you put one in there. That would be dangerous. It's going to explode. That would be the fumes coming off of it would kill you. Mm -hmm. And the fumes coming off of the outhouse would not mingle well with the fumes. I mean, in, in my mind, it makes sense. Because listen, <laughs> when, you, when nature calls... Sometimes you need a little alcoholic assistance to get it done. At the, least I do. The fella behind this, if he needs to eat, listen, we are the go-to authorities on outhouses and stills. So if you need any, if you need to ask us any questions, they'd be more than happy to contribute to this project. <laughs> Otherwise, I like it. Planting seeds, milking a cow. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I do every morning. So you can check this out. This is available and uh, and it looks like uh, there is a it's a work in progress uh, Amiga game, and uh, it doesn't look like that there is a playable demo yet. But I will tell you this: Did you read this? I'll, first of all, changes you can plant potatoes. But here's my favorite one: After opening the doors of the WC, which no one here would ever call it that, you can find a moonshine distillery. So a distillery. <laughs> It's not, it's not just a still. It's You've a, got a whole operation in our there. Our WC's got a distillery in it. <laughs> I yes. love it. I love it. I'm buying this game when it yeah. comes out. Yeah, we'll keep close tabs yes. on Farmiga. That's, that is solid gold right there, Boat. <laughs> we got one more game to talk about this week, Aaron. <laughs> yeah. This is one, now, this is one that you're going to love. This is the Cthulhu Project. All right, yes. This is an upcoming dungeon crawler for the Amiga by Captain Dark N3M0. Let me tell you something. That's Dark Nemo written cool guy style. Bro. Oh, man. Yes. Bomb Six the Bass Let me strikes tell you something. again. Dark Nemo, you've got a cool name, brother. Now, uh, this is a work in progress, but you can see that it is the ever popular dungeon crawler. However, Unlike so many other dungeon crawlers that we've looked at, old yeah. and new, this one seems to have a pretty fantastic mapping system. Looks like the UI is pretty good, and Ooh. there's a lot of animation in these enemies. Yeah, uh, there's beholders in this thing. There are weird. Uh, yeah, there. Listen, in the world of Cthulhu, anything goes. Okay. I think you'll, 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 you'll. I mean, a beholder, the Cthulhu-like creature. That's okay. right. That's right. So anyway, Ooh, this is that. this is very early on, but. Uh, you know, this may be a dungeon crawler, Aaron, that I can finally sink my teeth into because much like you, I'm a big fan of HP uh, Lovecraft too. Let me tell you what I like about this, okay? We're, if you're watching at home, you'll see it, and if not, you will tell you. A clear, of course, this is from Dark Nemo. How did you spell it? D-A-R-K-N-3-M-0. Did you look? He's playing his own game, of course. And he even wrote his name Cool Guy Style Ooh, in the game. That's nice. That's no easy task. No. So I get... Give credit to Dark Nemo. That's adhering to your gimmick right there, brother. That's right. We'll That's keep right. eye on that, too, because, hey, Cthulhu. It has Cthulhu in the name. I mean, it's just, and you know Boat loves these, so he'll get into it big time. Now, we got some hardware news here, Aaron. Yeah. There's a new piece of kit out there called the USB Mouse Adapter. Okay? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's very descriptively named. It yeah. is what it says on the tin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this is for our good buddy, Doug the Doug. <laughs> yeah. Over at, at 10 Mark, over at 10-Minute Amiga Retrocast. You know, it's funny, uh, Boatster. I've had one of these for, gosh, years. Mm -hmm. When I say years, but it's not this tight. Right. Now, uh, this, this is this is available from TrueMouse.com. Yeah. I watched this thing this morning, Aaron. Yeah. And Doug puts this thing through its paces. You know, Doug, he is uh, 
he's more about using his Amiga for like other stuff other than games. So yeah. this this thing was made just for him. Uh, he was he plugged in a couple different mice. He could get everything working. Uh, one thing that was disappointing though is even though OS 3.2 does have support for the scroll wheel, yeah. unfortunately the true mouse does not support the scroll wheel. But he said that the other USB adapter that he had, the other USB to mouse adapter he had, also didn't work with the scroll wheel. So I don't know if that's an error in OS 3.2. Maybe it doesn't work right in the software. Or this could be something that these type of mice just can't handle. But there weren't any period correct scroll wheel mice. Yeah. So, you know, what are we doing here? I'm, I, I want answers. Well, you know, it's funny. I've been, I think the one I bought was for a fellow named, I believe his name was Butch, if I'm not mistaken. Real nice guy. And I bought a couple of these things, and I used them on the Amiga for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And I said, Casey, they work on the real Amiga, too. And the one thing that they had and I was that was interesting was they had a, a USB port built into the front that you could run power to mm. uh, for whatever reason. Uh, and Well, I know why, but it's because some some uh, computers you can hook this thing to, because it would hook, unlike, I don't know, maybe this one too, you can hook the one I've got up to, the C64, or even the adapters on the, on the Coco, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but some, some uh, computers and consoles don't send power to a to that port and you need power for certain things you do right okay right now I, I don't know about this one uh, and all but I, I don't think I ever tried hooking a mouse with a scroll wheel up to it I've got a USB laser mouse that works with it but it doesn't have a scroll well the thing wheel. is you got to have OS 3.2 for it to even be an option yeah so, oh, there you go um, but so, I need, it's anything you can do to get that cooking. yeah if anybody listening uh, has an idea on what Doug might be able to try head on over to his video over at 10 minute Amiga retrocast leave him a comment and uh, maybe you can get this uh, this thing figured out. Yeah, and also always check out Doug's stuff. It's, it's all great. Gold. Yeah, uh, Aaron. Our next story is a just a little bit of an update from the work that Chris Edwards is doing with this CD TV uh, recap of the CD ROM oh, drive. Listen, does anything sound less appetizing to do to actually do yourself than a, than a CD-ROM recap? Especially if you've seen these things taken apart. Mm. It's not like you just pop the top off and there's a board no. in here. This is like board, sandwich. And this is, uh, the second I bu- got this in the mail, I'd be calling up Frank and be like, listen, I'm sending this up to Canada. Right. Take care of business. And I'm right. not just saying that because he's an advertiser because I don't, I don't want to do it. But the good thing is we've got fine, fine folks like Chris Edwards in the Amiga community yeah. that love taking this stuff apart and documenting the process. Yeah. Because all the time that I'm watching him, I'm like, man, I'm glad that I'm not doing that. But boy, is it cool watching somebody that knows what they're doing strip it down, put the caps in, and see how it goes. You ever... Let me ask you a question here, a technical question. Sure, man. Because now that you're a technician, I am. Uh, since you've you saw my soldering iron. arcade machine, um, what you ever had that feeling when you take something apart? You've got it laid out in front of you. This is a trick question, by the way. And then you look at it, and you don't know how in God's name that goes back together. Well, what I do then is I take yonder plastic bag, yeah, just sweep everything in there. <laughs> And it that goes right to closet, That's right. never to be seen again. That's right. I understand. <laughs> this is the stuff that haunts me. Because for all the years I used to rec- rec- repair laptops and stuff, 
getting these things back together is just a nightmare sometimes, especially when you don't have the best memory. You know, I'm surprised. I've thought about this several times. I'm surprised somebody has not come up with a way that you can sequentially store screws in some sort of a compartment to be like, these are the first ones that I took out. These, I guess there probably are things like that. I think he had a compartmented gimmick here mm -hmm. uh, when I looked when I looked over on the video. Because what I always do is I always take a piece of tape and I tape all the screws together. Then I attempt to write something with a sharpie on the tape. Yeah, and that, that, never, that works, never works. Does it? it yeah, never works. I've tried that gimmick. Tape. I've got a. I've got a, like an ashtray that's magnetic. Mm -hmm. You know one of those gimmicks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the screws. And I'm like, I'll keep them grouped together. That never works. <laughs> nope, nope. You know, you're pretty much boned unless you've got skills to pay the bills. And that's right. Chris Edwards, of course, has got some. Now, Aaron, I'll tell you about somebody else that's got the skills to pay the bills. Who's that, dude? And that's our friend Frank over at RetroRewind.ca. I've heard of him. I want to tell you about a new product that has just come up on the scene over at Frank's, Aaron. All right. This is this is something I'd never heard of before. This is an Amiga coin cell battery adapter. Okay, you've never heard of this? Well, I know that these things, you've got a, you've got a coin cell in, yeah. the, in, the, in any of your, your boards that have the real-time clock, right? Well, Isn't no, that what keeps them going? That's not true. You don't have a coin cell. That's what this does. Mm. This is for boards that just have like, a lot of times they would just strap, violently strap a battery to the board. Oh, okay. Pinball machines, as I look around here, I'm thinking to myself, when was the last time I changed the batteries in these things? They also will have sometimes do that. So what this does is you take out that old style sort of cylinder battery and yeah, the and the thing you you yeah. toss all that stuff and you install this thing and then you put the old that's the, right the old coin, certain yeah. Amigas have a uh, a battery that you need to swap out. I believe the I'm trying to think the 500 plus I think the 2000 I can't remember the 2500 I think maybe anyway they and so you don't want to leave these. Because over the as they get older, they will explode right. or leak, mm -hmm. and then and we get seen, all over the motherboard, and then it. they ruin it, and mm -hmm. then you can get to the point of no a no return on those. And so what Frank's got here is a, a little thing you put you basically uh, put on the board that uh, lets you just use a regular coin cell battery, and those are a, a much better solution. And for eight bucks, yeah, that's a, that's uh, that's one of those things. We do it now or or pay the consequences. And I guarantee you the consequences are going to be more than eight bucks. Yeah. <laughs> you got that right, because I've seen the consequences. It's not good. But that's just one of many, many yeah. uh, lovely little things, including uh, Frank. We always talk about Frank doing recaps and selling cap kits and selling uh, the multi-car for the cocoa, but he also has things in here that are preventative and diagnostic. He's got diagnostic cartridges. He's got uh, things to help you uh, with part replacements. Uh, he's got all sorts of things that will keep your Commodore uh, and uh, TRS-80 computers up the spec. He's also, of course, got his uh, usual services if you need repairs on any of these machines. Let's say one of these things have leaked and maybe you got there a little late, but it's not too bad. Frank may be able to pull your honey out of the fire, brother. Yeah. Yeah, so if you are interested in any of the multiple products and services that Retro Rewind has, head on over to RetroRewind.ca, but don't stop there. Use the promo code AMIGOS10 when you check out. Save yourself 10% off the already criminally low prices. We do thank Retro Rewind for being a sponsor of the show, and uh, you know, just hit Frank up. He's a good guy. Yeah, and also say hi to Frank at BoatFest. That's right, Aaron. 
Why don't we go ahead and talk a little bit about Boat I Fest I think that's a good idea. Line. I think it's a real good idea. You know, Aaron, we are less than a month out from Boat Fest. One month from now, Boat Fest will be in the rear view mirror. Oh, man. It's hard, it's to, hard, to, hard believe. to believe. It's scary to believe. Now, Aaron, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold up. We, we have these new posters that uh, the Brent uh, printed up for us. These are going to be hung up in all of the venues around Hurricane West Virginia. Yes, there will be one in the Coal Miners Lounge. Uh, I'll let you find that one. <laughs> this is June 24th and 25th in lovely Hurricane West Virginia. Um, you can find out, uh, you can get tickets at BoatFest.info. And Aaron, what's going to be what's going to be on the docket at BoatFest? Holy smokes, what's not going to be on the docket? We're doing all of our shows. So if you ever thought to yourself, you know, these two goose, they probably are CGI. They, no one's this crazy. No one shoots a show like this. You can come and actually physically poke us That's to right. prove that we're real because we're going to be doing the shows. We're doing uh, uh, this show. We're doing Ask the Amigos because we'll answer questions. Probably take some from the crowd, whatever. We're doing R. Sinclair. We're doing the Atari ST show. We're doing the Coco show. And myself and the Brent will also be doing ARG Presents that week as well, so that weekend. We also have a special guest coming in, the one and only Rob Flack O'Hara will be here, and he will be recording Sprite Castle. Mm -hmm. uh, and guys, there's going to be a swap meet, so you can bring all of your uh, equipment that you'd like to swap out for something new, start a new project. There's going to be stuff for sale, there's going to be all kinds of stuff on offer from Retro Rewind. We'll giveaways. Have, yeah, giveaways. We'll have Amiga Addict magazines and Pixel magazines for sale. Uh, tons of uh, back issues of Amiga magazines. Uh, and everything's going to be cheap, brother. Dirt cheap. And so, singing. Yeah. Singing like you've never heard before. You will hear the chud sing. Oh, I yeah. It. Yeah. I'm already hearing maps in my head right oh, now. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm not going to BoatFest now. Sorry. All right. So anyway, BoatFest. BoatFest.info. 25 bucks for the weekend. It's worth it. It's going to be awesome. Please come. We'd love to see you there. Absolutely, but well done. And it's for you. That's boat. right. It is. It's, it's a for festival me. for boat. Isn't that nice? <laughs> it's about time. It's That's by boat say. and for boat. <laughs> Aaron, I'll tell you what's not by me and for me. That's Whizball. No, it's not by you. I know that. Now, you know, let's get into Whizball a little bit, Bode, because, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people may not have noticed, but this is not the Brent. This is Bode. And me and the Brent hosted the show last week while Bode was out of town. Thank you, Brent. And cunningly, I now, when, when we found out we were playing with Whizball, that I said, listen, this must be one of those shows where we go back and play those old games we reviewed, those crazy shows. You know how those things the are. The second look shows. That's right, because Whizball is ingrained into my brain. Well, lo and behold, and we were talking about this before we went on the air, we've never played Whizball on the show. We've never reviewed it. That was wrong. Yep. Horribly wrong. And I looked through our uh, uh, archives, our vast archives. And by the way, you should look at our archives. Uh, and we've never done a show on Whizball, not one show. Mm -hmm. So, I don't, But we've both talked about playing it. Right. So we don't know when we played it. Maybe it was on the Amigathons. Who knows? So we both, I don't have to ask you this week, I know we've both played this game. Yes. Uh, but I don't know when or where. So uh, Whizball uh, released in uh, on the Amiga in 88. Uh, one disc. And uh, this was originally developed by Sensible Software. And then it was converted over to the Amiga. Published by Ocean. Uh, the fellow that converted this was a fellow named Peter Johnson. He's got several credits on here. You won't forget his name, I'll tell you that. That's right. That's, you got that right. So, Pete, 
I was responsible for Arkanoid Revenge of Doe. Can't blow that one. Good game. I didn't know about this, but we've got to play it sometime. The Amiga version of Daily Thompson. Did you oh, know that existed? No. Um, uh, Morph, which we have played on here. Robocop, which we have played on here. And Winter Super Sports 92. Mm. So he, he he's done a few things, and we've played a few of them. He was responsible for everything except for a little bit of the music, which was done by Ian McLaughlin, who uh, was responsible for Corporate Raiders and Sky Fox 2. Uh, just for fun, before we get too much into the game, I actually looked up a little bit on uh, Johnson because he actually went on to do uh, uh, some stuff. Uh, he, uh, I mean, did, he did a lot of games, but he went he went on to like actually work in the uh, in the non Amiga field quite a bit. He he, he was uh, part of a studio called Rage. Rage. And then uh, he also uh, was a studio head of Venom Games. He's got some cool studio names under his Yeah, mouth. unfortunately, no, the, the name didn't get it over fully, <laughs> you know, and, and, and these things, unfortunately, went under. But he actually worked in the, he worked on the 2K series. He worked on the Xbox conversion of Prey. Uh, he also, for some reason, did a lot of boxing stuff later on, including a game which I detest the name of, Don King Presents Prize Fighter. If you know anything about boxing, Don King is the scummiest He's of sort of, yeah, persona non grata. Great hair, though. Yeah, you can't man. say anything about that. So He also likes to carry around a big garbage bag full of $100 bills. Well, yeah. yeah. It's because he's crooked as the day is long. That's true. Um, the uh, the game Whizball was heavily converted, both. Uh, amongst the places it appeared, the Amstrad CPC, uh, the Atari ST. Mm -hmm. uh, and by the way, uh, Johnson, I believe, also worked on that. The, of course, the uh, venerable C64 version, DOS, and a PC boot. And it was a PC booter version of this. That, that surprised me. That's, that's shocking to me. Uh, and the Thompson uh, TO, the M05, and the ZX Spectrum, they all had uh, versions of this. And this was originally released for the C64, right? Uh, I don't know. I don't have it written down which of the original platform was. It wasn't the Amiga, I'm obviously. Almost I think it was, it was the C64. Yeah. I think this is one that uh, John Hare worked on, and mm -hmm. I mean, the guys at Cincy worked on it. I didn't narrow it down to one particular guy, but right. this was, a, I can tell you one thing, it wasn't Peter Johnson, he just did the conversion. Uh, so, uh, what in God's name is this game? <laughs> well, <laughs> do you want to try to tackle sure. what this is? Sure, I'll tell you exactly what this is. I looked at the docs. Did you read the backstory for this, by the oh, way? Oh, yeah. Okay, go on then. What you have here is a fever dream. That's what that says. <laughs> What were they smoking at Sensible Software? You know, this is, uh, this is a game in which you play as a wizard who takes the form of a ball. That's what I would do. He's the whiz ball. Okay? He's also got a cat, which isn't a cat. It's a little round, like, training droid from Star Wars, except it's green. Okay? What your job is, is to shoot the various uh, geometric shapes in, 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 this, in every level. And the, the things do different, you know, the, when you shoot an enemy, it does different things, okay? So, um, the way this game works is when you shoot uh, bad, or when you shoot stationary objects, they give you uh, orbs, okay? And the orbs activate sort of an R-type-like power-up system. Okay. <laughs> I never thought of it that way, but yes. That's and, uh, that. and so what you do is you, you collect enough of these orbs to advance the power-up system to the point where your cat, who again, if you're watching at home or if you're listening at home and you're not looking at this, 
don't picture a cat in your mind. Picture one of those training droids from uh, that that Luke fights with the lightsaber He's in Star Wars. It's called a catalyte, you know, catalyte. Like satellite, but a cat. Ah, it's yeah. interesting. So, um, what you do is uh, you get to the point where your cat, your catalyte, can pick up uh, blobs of ink that are that are dropped by enemies that move. Okay, your stationary enemies give you your orbs. Your moving enemies tend to drop uh, droplets of ink. It's probably not called ink in the game. I can't remember exactly. Well, there are what certain it's enemies that drop certain colors right. of paint. And they're they're paint. Okay. Yeah. So there's different colors of paint that you're trying to fill up these jars with. Yeah. Okay. And uh, when you fill up a jar, uh, you the wizard returns to his home and he uh, he he unstraps himself from his ball contraption. It's very odd watching him sort of the mouth of the ball opens and he just kind of emerges from it. I like that. He mixes up some stuff in his cauldron and then you're back into the game. Okay? This is a score attack game. You're just trying to get the highest score you can um, and you're moving through different levels of, of you know higher and higher degrees of difficulty. Yeah. That's whiz ball in a nutshell. Yeah, and really this... It's, you know, it's funny. I've played this game on and off for quite a while because it comes up. Uh, but this is the first week I sat down and I read the docs and tried to figure out what the God's name was happening here. And so you pretty much nailed it. You start the game off on a, on a level. It looks like you're on the moon. Mm -hmm. It's gray. It's stark. And you are, you're rolling around and your ball bounces at first. And you have, and you have nothing else, just the ball. And you've got to negotiate your way to these, like, DNA strands that are hanging out that you shoot that turn into the globes, like you said. Now, once you get these, that's when you can begin implementing the powers on the upper screen. Now, the very first thing you're going to want to do, as soon as you get one of these, and the way you implement the powers is to basically waggle the stick and hit the button. Mm -hmm. It seems wacky. It is wacky. But once you get used to it, you can do it pretty quickly. It's also not something, it's not like there's a ton of pressure to do immediately. You can sort of go somewhere safe and then get it to work if you have trouble. And what that does is it makes your ball uh, a thousand times more maneuverable. Because at first, the ball, which is something I never really understood at first, the ball was difficult to, to control because it bounced everywhere. Right. And it, would, it was hard to clear certain things. And, even, and that's the, one of the first parts of the game that's difficult is just getting to the point where you can advance to where you can get the stuff you need to advance, which it's the, it is the first thing on the on the right. uh, on the upgrade path, right? And then you can actually there's a double upgrade on there that if you waggle it again, you literally stop bouncing and you sort of just float around, and then you're in business there. Uh, amongst the thing on that on on the bar are, of course, you've got to summon your catalyte. That's one of the things you have to do. There are also different uh, methods of shooting. There's sort of like a mass shot. There's an upper and lower shield you get. Uh, so you get, and there's something that blows up all the enemies on the screen. So you can actually get uh, these power-ups. Now, uh, just before we get too deep into it, I want to say that one of my first problems with this game is uh, uh, when you have, when you get to the point where your your whiz ball is powered up nicely, all right, then you could. That's when they the book recommends that you go through the pipe. There are various pipes in the ground that you can go through tunnels. And they take you to the levels where the enemies are more uh, deadly, and that's also where you'll be able to collect the various paint you mm -hmm. need. Now, um, they're right to recommend not going there until you're pumped up, because if you go, you could go there any time, but if you just go there as a rolling idiot, you're going to get murdered quickly, because right. all you can do is those 
really lame shots, and it's hard to control your ball. So once you get to this scene and you're in there tussling with these tougher enemies, if you die, you lose everything. You got to start all the way over. This, for uh, someone who's just starting, was a brutal blow mm -hmm. <laughs> because you have to go all the way back and go and try to recollect everything. It's very irritating. It's funny to watch the walkthrough on this. And the guy rolls through this thing smooth as anything, just like he's uh, passing time. But I can tell you, I, I thought I found it much more difficult, uh, especially when you lost those powers. Did you? Would you echo that? So it's important to understand just how little control you have in your native form. Yeah. Okay. If you can imagine, if you just take a tennis ball and you just fling it, and the ball starts bouncing and rolling, okay? That's sort of like you trying to control yourself at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, you can change direction, but you have to slow yourself down, slowly reverse course, and go back. Now, that by itself isn't enough to make it truly frustrating. The environments themselves, this moonscape environment, is also filled with tons of things that just get in your way. Yeah. They just get in your way. There's stalactites that hang from nothing, okay? Yeah, there's, there's hula hoops that are hovering in the air. These things serve no other purpose but just to annoy you and just to make your progress difficult. Uh, my main problem with this game, I have a few problems with this game, but my main problem with this game is how difficult it is for you to upgrade your whiz ball. Not necessarily difficult, but just how frustrating it is. Like, I don't mind if it's hard, as long as it feels like I'm being challenged in a fair way. But a lot of times you have to set your bounces up just right, just to be able to traverse over to where these DNA strands are, yeah. just to get it, and you end up just bouncing around. And well, I mean, you're not dying, but you're not having fun either. I'm gonna tell you something. You are, that's exactly the way I felt. The first part of this game almost feels like a punishment. Yeah. Because, and the thing is, you can get past it. And the thing is, you're gonna lose a couple guys here just because you got you screwed up. You know, so it, but it's just there to basically waste guys and and waste your time. Like I would not be as irritated if they started with the second level of yes. control because you're still bouncing around. But or it's a lot easier. or how about this? <clears throat> Before you know, make the the first level where you're powering up your thing. Don't put random junk in the air. You know, yeah, put some enemies in there. I don't mind if you put some enemies in there for me to avoid, but don't put stationary objects that you have to hit just the right angle to get around. I can only on. assume that they did that to provide some sort of uh, enemy in your path or obstacle on the level there, because really nothing, nothing shoots. Now, after a while, stuff will show up on that level, but I mean, for the most part, you're when you're there, all you're doing is shooting those DNA strands and collecting the the, the uh, orbs. and But, I mean, yeah, it's irritating. And what's really annoying is if you hit the DNA strands, you die. Okay, that's the death. And so you're so desperately trying to get over these obstacles that that's usually ultimately what happens. I will say, I think part of this may have been to show off the control skills because as much as we've complained about the controls, the way you control Wizball in this bouncy state is kind of neat because yeah. as, you, as, you, as he bounces, the more you hold it in a direction... He'll slowly start spinning faster and mm -hmm. faster in that direction. It's, and it's actually, it's visually neat to see, but it's not uh, fun to control. Right. In the physics, I mean, the, the whole sort of physics, quote-unquote, engine or whatever, it's a neat thing. Yeah. I wish that they could have shown it off in a less frustrating manner. Yeah. Uh, now, once, once you... There's also a Mount Rushmore on the moon, by there's, the way. There's, well, there's a bunch of different things, because there are eight levels to this, and each one of them has a different gimmick in the background. Uh, so... 
once you have uh, jacked up your whiz ball, then you start to go and collect uh, the paint that you need. There are different uh, enemies that fly by, and you can tell who they are after a while that will give you the paint you need, blue and green and red. And you have what you have to have your catalyte. You can actually, can, I think you can actually grab it with the whiz ball, but it's almost impossible without the little thing. Well, here's what happens. You know, if you if you can picture in your mind, you have to shoot these things from a distance. Yeah. Because they're traveling towards you at a high rate of speed. Okay, these, these enemies in this game, they don't seek you out. You can think about them just like swarms of insects that are on their way somewhere, okay? And if you happen to run into them, you die. Um, unless you have the upgrade that gives you the shoot straight up ability, uh, you can't shoot one of the balls and physically get yourself over to catch the paint before it drops in time most of the time. That's where the catalyte comes into play. You give him the upgrade to where he can go in there and swoop up the paint as you're shooting the bad guys. Yeah, but I mean, it, yeah, without him, it's nigh impossible. Yeah. You have to be able to shoot up and kind of get down under him. Right. But I mean, it's a neat it's a neat effect that I will say, and I, and I didn't get to do this, but and there are multiple ways to play this game. There's two. There's one player, there's two player hot seat, and there's also two player team mode where one person actually controls the the catalog. Yeah, I, I bet that would be fun. Yeah, that would be that would make it a lot a, a lot of more interesting and it probably make the game a, a whole lot simpler if yeah. I'm honest. Uh you know, it's funny when I was watching these playthroughs, I, I wondered if someone wasn't doing that on these a couple of these that I watched. So once you've gathered up all this paint and you you'll end up going to the bonus stage. The bonus stage is just sort of like uh, I think it's, you go out I think there are 50 enemies and you tra- it's sort of like a uh See how many of them take out, mm-hmm. and then after you do that, you go to the uh, aforementioned stage where you're in like the wizard's house, and and you and the catalyte both turn back into your normal form, and then he goes over and empties whatever he's uh, obtained uh, from paint wise into this cauldron. Now uh, there'll be a a, a a a picture to the right that tells you how close you are to having all the material you need to finish the level. If you don't have enough, then you go back out and right. try to finish the level. And what you're doing here is that the color has been drained from this world, and the wizard is trying to recolor it. And so you've re- once you obtain enough paint, you've recolored that level, and then you get to move to the second level. And Boat mentioned that there's a uh, uh, Mount Rushmore on this level, and there is just for some reason in the background. And some levels have different. I mean, they all have different stuff. One's got like the moon, for example, or the uh, the pyramids. And there are, uh, there's other little gimmicks. They don't, really, they don't really affect anything too much. No, it's just window dressing. You can see that as you add color to the stage, it does the color does change. Mm-hmm. There's also a, a quite nice uh, a parallax effect as you roll through the level. I mean, is it? It's not perfect, but it's only on the ground. But it's still it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, in a game that I would call let's say middle of the road graphically. I would call it graphically sparse. Well, I mean, you've got the double dream catcher here where you've got crap at the top of the screen, crap at the bottom. The ocean logo is down there. and you, it, it says who designed it. It's got the guy that converted it. It's got, all this, it's got the name of the game. So, like, the entire upper part of the game is just wasted. Mm-hmm. And the lower part's almost completely wasted. They could have done this stuff. And, so they basically just cut the screen down. Mm-hmm. Um, you know... Did you have fun playing this? No. And I'll tell you why. I could not I could not uh, get all of the uh, the power-ups to activate all the time. I played this thing with the D-pad. Okay. Okay. And I know that if you go left right, you know, with the with the stick, it's supposed to switch to the next it's supposed to give you the power-up. Yeah. Okay. 
I could get that to work sometimes, but I couldn't get it reliably to work all the time. And if you can't do that, you're screwed. You're screwed. Yeah. There's no way around it. That combined with the fact that whenever you die, you go back to the beginning and you have to rebuild the whiz ball every single time. That's no good. That that is that is. You horrible. really had trouble getting those. Uh, I did. I, I did. I didn't have a lick of trouble. Well, I'll tell that. you. At first, I thought it was me, and then I was like, you know what? I'm going to go try the C64 version. I'm yeah. See if I can get it. I got it every single time. I was playing this thing like a champion. Okay, so I don't know if there was, maybe I was using the Mr. I don't know if it was the pad. I was using a P PS4 stick to play. Maybe you need that joystick, you know, banging around. You know what I did to do it? What's that? I didn't go left and right. I went like a maniac right. and it would just activate. You should have like the old hybrid smart bomb is what you did. That, you got that yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, but that's the way I do it. Because right. that's, who's got time for left and right? I just go bananas right. Right. on it, you know, and do it. So if, if this game, if they would have implemented in my, here, here's two things. Instead of doing what you do to, to activate your power up and move the thing along, just down in the button. Down in the button. That's all you have to do. Well, we've seen better... It, we've seen better interfacing, or just the space bar would be okay. Yeah, yeah. It's got it because you don't have to do anything but hit the button, you know, once. Right. Uh, and maybe some, maybe uh, we can get one of the guys that do the CD32 games just to add a second button. Wouldn't be too bad either. Uh, but so, so that that's the first. Those are those are the two things. Because here's the thing: this is a, an incredibly inventive, unique game concept. Um, I the 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 whole the whole store the, the docks I found to be woefully incomplete. I, I didn't find them to be very useful. I found out more about what you're supposed to do just by watching somebody else play yeah. than reading the docks. Uh, but the story is kind of cool. Yeah, I, I like the idea of a black and white world you're adding color to. Yeah. Um, I the the whole idea of the ball. You know, it's it's it, this is much more inventive than your average shoot 'em up. That's for sure. It definitely. I don't know how many people were involved in Wiz Kid from Wiz Ball. How many of the team carried over? But you can definitely see that the seeds of Wacky were laid. You know, were were planted with Wiz with Wiz Ball, and then they sprouted in Wiz Kid. I did read that they made the game and came up with the ball and all, the actual gameplay, and then they basically. Put the wizard stuff in after. Okay, so that I can was see an that. afterthought. Sure. And it worked. It's funny. They, I mean, it actually in a weird. It's an odd, surreal game. It well, works. The way that it I, works. I think that the, the graphically the most impressive part of the game is the one you were just describing, where you whenever you fill up a vial, the wizard goes into his hut or his house or whatever, and uh, you know he pours it in. He's mixing it in the cauldron. All that stuff is very graphically impressive, and it's a nice reward. It's a nice reward for your work. The thing about this game, I've got a couple issues that are just technical, okay? Well, aside from the fact that the screen is literally half empty right. I mean, with, with crap, uh, this is definitely, there's no doubt in my mind, this is an 8-bit game that they put on a 16-bit system and it did the minimum amount they needed to do. Yes. The graphics are, I mean, we've talked about the nice flourishes, but they're nothing fancy. No. There's no in-game music unless you're on the bonus screen. Mm -hmm. There's uh, uh, and, the and, and when you when you die or when you uh, or when it's game over, yeah. you get these little man oh man now. That's yeah. it. That I mean, this screams. I'm sorry, this screams sort of bad European game. Whenever you have those little snippets and then nothing, just dead silence well, with it, the sound effects. It bothers me when you've got a game like this on the on like the ST or the Amiga. These things are renowned for their great sound, and of course. So, and you and you don't get it, right? I didn't play the C sixty four version of this, but it's a much ballyhooed. So I don't know if it has in game music or not. Did you Did you notice? It doesn't. But 
the tune, uh, the tune that plays when you start yeah. the, the game is so much better on the season. Yeah, before. it's funny how that works sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but the, uh, uh, but I mean, it's this is a game I'm kind of torn because I actually did sort of start to enjoy it after a while. It, it's frust- It's a frustrating game to play. And I could think of things, little things that would make the game a lot be- more fun for me. You know, but I mean, and the thing is the power-ups, once you get the uh, the catalyte and then you change the way you actually move around, the uh, the some of the power-ups are okay, but nothing blew me away. There's like shields, you know. You well, can you're get. essentially invulnerable. Once you, if you get the right series of power-ups, there's not much that can that can stop. Well, you. I thought that, but <laughs> I got killed enough to where I don't. I would definitely say I, I was quite vulnerable. But I mean, overall, it's just it, this game doesn't seem like it fits the machine all that well. Yeah. It's I just wish they had. I wish they had uh, uh, tried to to give us a little something because graphically it could have been a, a lot better. I mean, it, it's a, it's a start game. I guess the real graphical problem that bothers me is just the way they've got the screen split up. I just hate it. The, I would rather have more air. And this game screams for more area for your whiz ball because right. there are areas where the screen tops off and you can't jump over. And mm-hmm. when you're in that first ball mode, mm-hmm. you could use that extra space to bounce a little higher. Oh, yeah. You know, it's it, the bouncing is frustrating yeah. to me. I mean, the the whole, like, we're putting the, stu- the, the thing you just talked about, we're putting the studio logo in there, the name of the game. All these things are like ZX Spectrum troops that we should have outgrown by the time we got to the Amiga. Yeah, you know, so, I mean, it's a, it's okay. I watched. I how how far did you were you able to get in this? Could you? Get oh, I couldn't get anywhere. I couldn't get anywhere because I couldn't get the power up stack. I I got uh I I got past level one. Believe it or not, on my best on my best efforts. I saved that game by the way, so I could play the other levels. Uh, and uh, so I I felt like I accomplished something. Yeah. I felt pretty good. Well, it's I, funny. I, I I'll tell you this. I played a lot more of this game this week than I thought I would because there is an addictive quality to yeah. it. It's got that one more game. It does. It does. And I will say, um, as far as game level type games like this go, uh, this game feels like a slight adventure because of the mechanic with the paint. Mm-hmm. You know, you feel like because it, that the paint gimmick is a gimmick mm-hmm. just to make it's. It, they took this gameplay. Which is bouncing defender or whatever you want to call it, bouncing defender. and they and they added the pain element to give it legs, all mm-hmm. right, and that, and and it works, it works. That, but I mean, without that, it was just for points, and you cleared all the bad guys to be over, they'd be boned. Right. The bonus level is nothing special. I was kind of disappointed in that, uh, and uh, uh, you know, it's we have played PD games that I thought it were had a lot more gameplay fun than this. I know this game is a much loved game. On the eight bits, and I and I don't want to take anything away from it because it's got a lot going for it. Yeah, and like you said, the originality is off the charts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the and, and on the, the play on, is and, good. On, and on the C sixty four, having the stuff on the screen and the big HUD and stuff like that, that was excusable because tons of games did it back yeah. then, you know. And, well, you, and you were dealing with technical limitations. Unfortunately, you know? far too many games yeah. do it on the Amiga too. Yeah. It's, it's uncomfortable. I don't want to bury Peter Johnson because we don't know the timetable on this no, or anything. No. And I mean, it, the thing is, gameplay-wise, it's competently done. Yeah. But uh, I was I was underwhelmed. You know, there's people that say that the, the Whizball himself itself controls much differently in the C64 version yeah. than in the Amiga version. They say that the C64 is a much better controlling Whizball. 
I didn't find that to be the case. I found that to be control. I found it to control just as well. The only thing that I could do on the C64 version is actually activate the power ups. So. You know, uh, of course, we mentioned this got ported to a million systems just for fun this week. I thought we would look at the uh, the uh, Thompson yeah, version of this. Thompson. It's not often that we get to uh, get something cooking here with the uh, with the Thompson. And uh, I think that if you compare the two, of course, the Thompson is a much less powerful uh, system than, than the Amiga, much less capable. Uh, but, uh, you know, it looks pretty much like I figured it would. I'm, I'm guessing this is sort of closer to the ZX Spectrum yeah. version than the C64 version would be. But, I mean, and, of course, you if you look at the ground and you look at the... Uh, uh, the graphics of the uh, the foreground and the and the scroll. Well, there's nothing that looks good about the Thompson. Version, no, let's be honest. <laughs> looks, but still, it's there. It's there. <laughs> God, I figured I'd I'd pull it out. Now, of course, uh, this was released on all the uh, the uh, the British systems, and because again, this is a this is a popular game in Europe, uh, and I think I don't see a. I don't see any path where this would be big in the States. No, no. This uh, is one of these games that... Which is a, sort of a shame, because you know, we're not as open-minded, I guess. It's, it, I think that, it, you know, if you add in some, a couple extra things, if you add in some background music, if you put if you put a little bit of the backstory up front, like maybe you have this like a still screen of like the wizard being like, I'm going to save the thing. I think you could probably, you know, release this. This, Well, the thing is, I mean... I just I can't see this on the NES, but I mean you could release this on the C sixty four in America if you if you it, and it, I don't know maybe this thing did get a NTSC release who knows well it it is um it's unusual and original and I don't hate it yeah I, I, so that's I, well I would I would rate this game at a uh, marginal level of joy uh, I will say I did look up some reviews uh, on the Amiga version uh, of the day boat. And, like, I was actually surprised by this. You ready for this? Yeah, The women's score on this for the Amiga, 5.89. It's not loved because I think, because I read through some of those reviews, yeah. most people just say, you know, this should, exactly what we said, it should have been a lot better than the C64 version, and in many ways it was worse. Yeah. Um, just to go over some of the magazine reviews, uh, AUI in Australia gave it a 7 out of 10. Commodore User, 8 out of 10. Uh, CU Amiga... Gave this a uh, 87. The Games Machine gave it an 84. Average magazine rating, 82, or 88, excuse me. But there's a lot of, you know, C and D ratings in there. I think it's there's no way I would rate that an 88. I, th- I don't think, I think a Lemon has been a little harsh on this one. Yeah, I agree with but you. I, but I, I mean, I would put it somewhere in the six area. They're people, people I mean, this is an all-time favorite of so many people. Yeah. And so I can see why the Amiga version would be a disappointment. But going into it from the perspective is say like, say the C64 version doesn't exist. Yeah. This game is is, is definitely a, a B or a C level title. I've sure. also read, now I, I don't know enough about this to, to know, uh, but I've read that there are elements that are only uh, only happen in the ST and Amiga version of this. I think it's in terms of the availability of the people that have the paint that make the game more of a grind on the on the Amiga and ST versions than the other versions. I'm interested to see what the what the listeners thought of this one. But well, we got some good reviews. We start with Deckard Treepwood. Uh, he says, "I loved this game back in the day, even though I thought it was stupidly hard. A few years back, I figured out what the power ups did and how to use them." The first couple of power-ups stop you from bouncing, making the game a lot easier. I wish I'd figured that out when I was a kid. 
Moreover, when you complete a level, you can perma-unlock a power-up, so even when you die, you keep it. So that not completing a level, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Mechanics well ahead of its time. Uh, and he calls this a methodical shooter with interesting characteristics once the mechanics are conquered. It's a game that delivers the just one more go urge. No in-game music, but that could ruin the atmosphere. Decent graphics, ah. sound effects, and controls. A very unique game which still holds up today, 7 out of 10. I, I would I would like to have the option to turn it on and off in-game yeah. sound. Me too. Me too. Um, and just a reminder that you can have your review read on the air if you are a Patreon supporter of the show and are a member of our Discord. Uh, Z9K9 uh, writes, When this came out on the C64, it was a dazzling leap of imagination. A cauldron of improbably fitting influences stirred into an expansive but coherent whole oh. on a design trajectory that implied anything might be possible in the realm of computer games. So... On first sight, seeing the 16-bit version hemmed in with a large title and credit banner seems like it's missing something fundamental to the spirit of the game. There's nothing terribly wrong with the gameplay of the Amiga version. The mechanics are present, the non-linear level order and sense of progress, and seeing levels gradually blossom into color makes you want to play it again to see more to go a different route. Uh, he says, this is an amateur reproduction of a masterpiece painting. The C64 game's graphics, sounds, and movements are arranged with exactingly chosen spatial proportions and rhythmic pacing. Relative to the baseline of the graphic resolution and style, the whiz on the C64 looks weighty and wizened, the cat comparatively youthful. On the Amiga, on the, Amiga the whiz looks like a Brussels sprout with a worryingly shaped void for a mouth. <laughs> Uh, the only part of the 16-bit version which arguably looks better is the Wizard's Laboratory, with nicely done, high-detail pixel art. In all other cases, the 16-bit looks somehow smaller and more subdued than the 8-bit, and that's not the way around it's supposed to be. I played this both on the C64 and the ST, so I admit the game is fun regardless, but uh, now I'm repeating myself. The C64 version is a masterpiece. 7 out of 10. Mm. David Hearn Ryder writes, as a fan of the C64 masterpiece, back in the day I was so excited to get my mitts on this. Imagine what they could do with all that extra power. Then I played it. My heart sank quickly. Gone was the 8-bit sensation of donning on a wizard's hat. Instead, now I wore a sad, droopy, Sunday best beanie full of holes. Not only did the color collecting mechanic change to become more laborious on the Amiga version, but it's through, but it's uh, it's as though the soul didn't come across in the port, leaving a ho-hum rendition which somehow failed to improve on the graphics and music of the original. Whizball, you're drunk. Go home. <laughs> Five out of ten. Wow, burial. <laughs> Lord Soup writes, A personal favorite on the CPC and C64, the 16-bit rendition is a competent version that doesn't impress as much as great 8-bit versions on their respective hardware. It's still fun, though, so grab a volunteer and have them play as the catalyte and recolor the world. Eight out of ten. And finally, Level Lord writes, played Whizball for a few days now, and I like it. Even that I played the C64 version as a kid, I have very vague memories of it, and I can't compare the two. The opening screen music is good, but no music in the game, which is fine. Gra uh, graphics are decent, while color palette is screaming for more, and I just wish levels are more color vibrant. Controls seem wonky and not responsive. It feels that, one, that Wiz, once it accelerates, it takes some time to stop, which I dislike in the games. What's awesome about the game is the concept behind the shooter, and few games are presented in such an innovative way, 7 out of 10. Mm. Yeah, so, I mean, mild. No one said, hey, it's better than the C64 version, that's for sure. So, that's yeah, right. That's I think, right. 
I think we're sort of in line. Yeah. You know, but this game, it's unique. I've said that a few times. That's pretty much, I don't, it, it could be fun. It's okay. Maybe I'll try the 64 version and see if I like that better. I this is, I mean, this is one, unlike a lot of the games that we, we talk about on the show, this is one I can see myself going back to. Yeah. And uh, maybe, not here. maybe when we get to Boat Fest, uh, we'll have some uh, whiz ball experts show up and they can school us. I will say we should try this with two people. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that might That'd be, be fine. Yeah. All right, Aaron. Uh, did you happen to look on eBay to see what anything was I did actually this? look this up on eBay, Boat. Um, so I looked, all these are in the UK, of course. Right. Uh, $62 seems to be the uh, in-box uh, purchase price. Uh, the discs were going for somewhere in a $12 range. That's um, some hopeful 12s. And you could get the Hit bo- the hit Squad uh, budget release for around 17 Okay. So, so it's, not, it, it's attainable is what you're saying. Well, I wouldn't pay $62 for it. If I was going to get it, I'd get it on the C64 or or maybe the Thompson. Maybe the Thompson, Yeah. <laughs> All right, Aaron, we're going to leave Whizball. Why don't we scoot on over to see what's been going on on the Amigos Retro Gaming family of channels. Good idea, the family of channels. That's right. I love that. That's, a, that's lovely. So, uh, really, only one item this week on the Amigos uh, Retro Gaming channels to talk about, and that is uh, myself and the brand. And this time out on ARG Presents, serious games that... We're funny. Yeah. You know, that way it happens. Sometimes you try to get serious. Now, I'll admit this week I hedged my bets. This is the first time I've not seen the Brent wear a hat on. It is on, strange. On it is odd. I didn't even notice it. There it oh, goes. there it is. He was being serious at the opening. Okay. That's why. Um, so, uh, this time around, we actually uh, picked a couple really odd uh, different games. I picked MASH. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize this was unreleased on the ClickaVision. It's a completed uh, prototype. Huh, interesting. Yeah, so, uh, and MASH, if you ever saw the show, the show was both serious and dramatic all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I thought to myself, hey, the game has got to be just, and it is very similar to the show. Uh, and Brent picked a game I'd never played in all these years. Which was uh, uh, Hitman. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's only a Windows version of this, so that was a lot of fun to figure out. Now, thank you, Demo. <laughs> but we played some Hitman, and Hitman, I'd say, of the two, was far more hilarious. Mm. If you've ever played Hitman, the guy's voice does not meet, match the guy. <laughs> the voice acting in this was overall ludicrous. And it was one of those games where uh, people were programmed in to do certain paths. And you can just walk behind with like your weapon, like ready to choke them, and as they would just like walk away. You know, I love that stuff. So, if you're into games that are uh, serious but are silly, this was the show for you. We had a good time uh, doing that. Now, uh, a lot of action over on the Amigos stream team uh, area. If you haven't added this already, please, we beseech you. That's Amigos stream team, three words. It's our sister channel for all of our live streams. Uh, I want to start off, because uh, I put this up, we had a visit from uh, L. Curtis Boyle. I, we may, Me and Brent may have touched this, but I want to get talk about it while you were here. We had a visit from Ken from Canadian Retro Things and L. Curtis Boyle. They came to town after last week's uh, Amiga, or uh, listen to me, after last week's Cocoa Fest. Uh, what was? What, did you enjoy having some company come in from far, far away? Listen, man, when L. Curtis and Canadian Retro Things come knocking, yeah, you gotta, you gotta pick up the phone. Yeah, you do. <laughs> exactly. That's what I think. <laughs> it was so cool to yeah. see Curtis in his in his native environment in front of a cocoa. He's typing stuff in. He's running demos. He's playing Rogue. Yeah, yeah. It was fantastic. You know, and, and Ken was super nice. 
they had been awake for literally like 48 hours. Right. And then when Bo just randomly said, hey, Curtis, fully demonstrate this piece of hardware. <laughs> Curtis, like I mentioned, he has like a ROM in his head. It yeah. just kicks in. And he just went on full autopilot to, to go through this elaborate demo. Mm-hmm. And then Boat wouldn't let him off the hook. No. Well, how does this work, Curtis? <laughs> what how about the Gimme X? And I'd look over at Boat and he'd be like, <laughs> and no idea what he was talking about. But it was still a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, uh, we had a good time. And I buried Brent on the last week's show for botching this. But I want to talk about it with you. We love that. We can't wait for Curtis to be here for Boat Fest. Yeah. That's going to be a lot of fun. And it was real nice to meet Ken. And they also brought us goodies. And we they really did. appreciate that. We appreciate that. the goodies. Um, so let's talk about, uh, <laughs> well, I guess we'll talk about it, Boat. Uh, I'm sure because we hyped it so much. We had the International Computer Club uh, meet up on uh, Saturday afternoon, 4.30. And it was a happening. We had a real good crowd in there, big crowd, mm-hmm. a lot of great participation. And this may be my all-time favorite set of presentations, just some great stuff this time around. I mean, I think everyone knocked it out of the park uh, for their presentations. But we did have a problem. The problem was... Uh, a, a national internet issue. Right. And Discord was just killing me. No one could keep their connection. No one could uh, uh, hardly get anything in. It was We had to literally put our heads down and just barrel through the best we could. I think we ended up doing pretty well, all things considered. Yeah, we got through it. And so this is up for your perusal on the Amigo stream team. Uh, if you want to go through it. I mean, it's watchable. It's not horribly bad. It's just occasionally just there's a pause. The good thing is, since I was hosting it, I always sound great and look great. So don't worry about that. Don't worry. But it had a lot of fun. I want to thank everyone that popped in. I don't know. If, uh, uh, one of the present- uh, presenters, Happy Cody, which we've talked about Happy times, he literally made a, 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 a game level of a mystery game on the show. It featured my uh, little sprite. That was awesome mm-hmm. yeah, to watch. Yeah, that was cool. We had all kinds of interesting stuff. Uh, we had people there from all over the world, mm-hmm. you know, from Dagestan to Australia to the UK. Uh, uh, it was great. A lot of fun. Of course, the uh, the uh, hidden man cave. Edmund was there. From mm-hmm. his, uh, we had a lot. A lot Jacob of, was there. Yeah, Jacob was there. Uh, and David Z. The whole nine yards. We, we appreciate everybody coming in. Uh, I've tentatively scheduled the next one of these for September uh, when the dust settles on the summer. And we're going to do it again. And I will do my best to try to ensure that this doesn't happen again, but this was sort Listen, of out of my hand. It was out, out of your hand. hand. But it's still, I felt bad about it. But there it is. Check it out if you're so inclined. Lastly, I don't know if you caught this stream from our good buddy Jack Flack over at Sprite Castle. This was a, a evening where he played a bunch of Scooby-Doo games. Now, I've not seen this, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say these games are probably not very good. Well, that's a short limb. <laughs> the Scooby-Doo game he played on 664. Talk about HUD disease. Listen, Look at that. This was one. This was <laughs> even the even the chick from Top Banana would have been appalled at this pile of garbage. I mean, Flack could do nothing. So if you want to see Scooby die over and over again, and who doesn't, then this is the game for you. I, and then he also fires up the Scooby and Scrappy game where you play as Scrappy-Doo, everyone's favorite pup. I hate Scrappy-Doo. <laughs> I know you Doo. hate scrappy I hate Doo. him. Uh, but this game looked far better. I was going to say, this looks actually playable. Yeah, so. it, looked, it was it was much better. He plays this, uh, and the people in chat mentioned how patient that Flack was. He played this for a good time. And then he went on to get some of those morning uh, uh, school uh, Schoolhouse rock. Schoolhouse rocks. 
And it's funny, I'm sitting there watching these, because we grew up, when I was a kid, they played, I don't know about you. Oh, yeah. And I remembered every single one of them and all the lyrics. Conjunction, Junction. I'm going to go on the assumption that the government put something in these to make them etch into your brain. (laughs) Because I remembered all of these. Mm. I remembered all the lyrics to them. Mm -hmm. Those things, have they ever had a campaign for education that was as effective as those? Never. I don't think they have either. I still think three is a magic number. It. Well, that's none of my business, really. Uh, anyway, that's all we got, Boat, uh, for uh, video this week. All right, Aaron. Well, it's time to announce the winner of last week's Patreon Song Challenge. Yes. So uh, it was actually two weeks ago now. Uh, it was a Jackson 5 medley. Oh, man. You know, I'm going through a big thing right now with the Jackson 5. So. Now, unfortunately, nobody got all three songs. I okay. reckon out the couple because I didn't know it was a medley. And afterwards, you'll recall, I said, hey, was that some sort of medley? And you said, yes. Yeah. I was like, okay. So we that. started out with uh, I'll Be There. And then the middle song, which nobody got, was Dancing Machine. It's hard to really put dancing, different. Yeah. Dancing, dancing Machine. What you get down, if you're not you saying down. those words, it just sounds like you're having yeah. a seizure. Yeah. So <laughs> that was probably why they didn't know. the crypt. <laughs> exactly. Well. Exactly. And then we, we closed it up with... Um, with uh, ABC. So uh, so anyway, Rob Flack O'Hara, right out of the gate. Pixels at Dawn got it. Andy Craig, Petzl, Mitsuyama, Pac Billy, and Daniel Miller. Congratulations to all you guys for getting it. Maybe next time you do a medley, you should at least say, okay, this is a medley. No. Do you know their medleys when you start? No. Okay. That's, do I know what the song is when I start sometimes? That's what I figured. I had a point when you started these, and you were like, wait, I'm not going to, this isn't going to do it. I'm going to have to come up with some other crap. All right. <laughs> Speaking of other crap, it's time for this week's Patreon song challenge. You said it, I didn't. So if you know the answer to this week's Patreon song, send me an email at john at amigospodcast.com and I will announce you as a winner on next week's show. If you are watching live, we just had some folks from the Norwich Amiga group join us. Oh, oh man. Aaron. I like that's dandy. That's awesome, yeah. man. Um, so uh, if you are live in the chat, don't put it in the chat. Keep it fun for everyone. Send me an email. All right, here we go. Our type of bumpface poo hence Chris Edwards. Petzl alarm Albuquerque. We like what we like. Mr. Chip, Peter Price, Herman V. Wanda Leach as a Mark Richardson. David Hearn, Ram OK, Ram OK, David Terrace, Drew Carlos, Matthew Mobius, the Phantom Magnus, Seth Yates, Alistair David Z, George Rosansky, The Amiga Show, Daniel Crabtree, Super King, Crazy Loomis, William Venter, Scar, Heavy Systems, Inc., Buddy Fraglow. Mark Byland, Olaf Hope, Alien Breeder, David Lacerata, Calbird Boy Lane, Denzel Daniel Williams, Luke Hudson, Bomb the Base, Frodo and L, Soul and Size, Tech Mage, Yogan, Mr. Cola, Bernard Lucas, Jerry Dennington, Zoglove, Reflection, uh! Simon Ledge, Captain Crispy Killer, Bison Caffeine, Gary Heather, Free Lunch, Kate Fox, David Pick for Cameron Armstrong. Uh, uh. Andy Jones, Lost Terminator, 10 Minute Amiga Record Cast, Renard Quinn. RMC, Tim Drew, Joseph Harrison. 
Kyle Rob O'Hara, Matthew Veramore, Andy Craig, Sean Zobarfit, Roland Burke, Andrew Monk, Joe the Zombie Leaf, Callan Adler, Kebab Chuck at the Level Lord, John Marshall, Matthew Perone, Ricky DeRoche, a creepy dead boy, Figgy CTZ, the slow nor step on Sorgard, Mortensen, Edmund Helen, Christopher Saw, Christopher Howells, Greg Lord Giroux, Graham Vebke, Adam Battersby, O'Brien's Retro and Vintage, Gary Hucker, Paul Harrington, Dumpscrum, The Crip, Duncan Styles, Josh Nan, Adam Bradley, Jonas Rulo, THT, Eric Nelson, Daniel Bingston, Darren Coles, Jason Warns, Pixels of Dawn, and Kjolbjorn Barman. Man, what was all that grunting and stuff there? You think of James Brown? That's soul, man. You're more like James White. Oh, mate. Yeah, I am closer to James White than James Brown. I'll give you that. <laughs> 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 all right. So, Aaron, it's time to thank not only our patrons, but those who choose to subscribe to us on Twitch because they like watching us live. You really thank them right there. We do. <laughs> oh my God. We do record the show live every Friday, except when we don't like today when we're recording on Thursday. But next, starting next Friday, we should be back on it, right? Yeah, theoretically. So, Friday at 5 o'clock, we will be back at our normally scheduled time, but we appreciate all of you all who are watching us live in our Thursday time slot, and especially all those of you who have subscribed on Twitch, including Buck Owens, Pishbot, Wink Chunt Wolf, Crusader Bastard, Explorer, Real Retro Dude, Who Janus 88, Level Lord, Duncan Styles, Darkwing 602, Amy Steph, Proto NL, Pixel Rages, Paco Take, Holy Guacamole, Texas Foosballer, Oil of Hope, Warped Metalhead, Eeyore 407, uh, 7, Jigglebox, Mitsuyama, Gustavo Hits, Amiga Live, Milo Loves Chocolate, Oron, Gary Heather, Monzamess, Petzl, KZI, KZ9, Zap, Steve Burtz, Grizzla, Back to 8-Bit with Firmski, Rob, O'Hara, 48K Ram, Da, Crabs, MTG, Disastrous, Uber Scuba Diver, Still Adolescing, Retro Rewind.ca, Twilight Zoner, Blow Jellyfish, and Negsol. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Aaron, what are we playing next week? Well, I'm free to look. Let's have a look, shall we? Bam. Survey says... Oh, man. Oh. Yolanda. Oh, man. You know, I went to school with a girl named Yolanda. Really? Yeah. Was she in that Space Creatures movie? No. I went, it was uh, It was not high school. It was It was electric, electronic school. Oh, man. What kind of Yolandas go to electric school? The, hey, the kind of can shock you. That's mm. how they're good. But uh, this game could be shocking. It could be. It could be. <laughs> so, Aaron, we're going to play Yolanda next week. Guys, thank you so much for listening. We will see you next time. Play it. If you are on Discord, leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. We'll see you next week. Until then, adios. adios.